Thanks to BetterHelp for supporting The Instance. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash instance. Start living a better life today. Chihuahuas are psychos. Welcome back to The Instance. Uh, this is The Instance, episode 649. I'm Scott Johnson with Garrett Weinzerl. Garrett, welcome back. You've been doing Joss first. I'm confused. Hi. Hi. Hello. I just mix it up. I was you totally know? muted. Yeah. Next time I introduce my dog first and then the cat. And now, <laughs> Joss. Oh, hi, Rainer. I hope you're doing well. <laughs> Joss and Kearney also joining us. Hi, hi, Joss. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you doing? Good. We didn't have a show last week. I missed you guys. Um, you know, I, I, I dealt with it. It was okay. Everything was fine, but uh, missed hanging out with you guys. Um, it's funny you bring that up, Garrett, my dog, uh, Jim Rayner, the female dog. Uh, no one understands that, but, you know, people who are longtime fans of Blizzard games. And uh, we also have a, a cat named Deckard, and uh, he's based on Deckard Kane. So when the Blizzard stuff happened, uh, my daughter was like, you know what? I think I'm going to start referring to Deckard as Deckard from Blade Runner. And I went, oh, OK, great. I'll start calling Rayner from and now I've, I have no Rayners. What other Rayners are there? Can you guys think of one? Is no, there, no other There's famous. There's gotta Rainers? be other, though, right? Like <laughs> there has to be. Like Google will save us all. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I did never uh, try that. It's apparently a, a garage door company. Great. <laughs> the first result on Google. Great. Wonderful. Rainer of the garage doors. First of her name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I got, I got bad news for you. All of the Google images are Jim Rainer, and a couple of them are this garage door company's logo. Fantastic. <laughs> Great. I really painted her in a corner. What's ironic about that is she actually got stuck in a garage door once, and uh, that makes it even funnier because she got it came down and hit her on the back. So there's there's that. Uh, well, anyway, it's uh, it's good to have you guys here. We're gonna we're gonna dump dump. We're gonna jump right in. I wanted to remind folks though, at the top of the show, this show is part of a trilogy, really a triumvirate, if you might, uh, called Frog Pants Plays. Frogpantsplays.com will take you to the three shows, but basically, it's this show where we take on huge topics and whittle them down with the best of our ability. There's Core, where we tackle the entire industry, both news and games we're playing, that sort of stuff. And The Boop Show, which is all about indies. If you'd like to know more about those other two shows, go check it out, frogpantsplays.com. Now this. All right, let's get into it. Uh, I can't remember who came up with this, but narrative in video games is uh, a topic we've had on our topic sheet for a while. And uh, it's obviously a huge part of gaming. Uh, I was talking to my daughter last night who got a uh, graduated with a degree in games engineering. Her favorite class during her entire time in school was her uh, narr- narrative. Or, I forgot the exact name of the class, but it was basically narratives and games or writing. You know, they basically train kids how to write stories and use games as a way to tell those stories, both traditional storytelling methods as well as gameplay telling the story for you or with you and uh she loved that and i know one of the professors up there who teaches it and one of these days i want to have her on so we can talk about this stuff uh, a little deeper but the concept of narrative in video games narrative driven games is certainly nothing new and while lately i'd say when i say lately in the last six to ten years there seemed to be a pulling away from narrative games because it seemed like for big AAA companies anyway um, narrative games didn't represent a long tail of money. Uh, that was coming from things like 
battle royales yeah, more more recently, but you know, in the uh, in the case of ten years ago, maybe something like Dota and and League of Legends and that sort of thing, games that were more games as services and games that were meant to keep you around for a really long time, buying skins, spending money in stores, buying boosts, that sort of stuff. And so you saw a lot of companies like EA and others say, well, what if the big games that are typically story-based, where we have a big campaign, like our new Star Wars game, for example, what if that also had a bunch of loot boxes in it and, and ways to keep people just on the hook for a really long time? And I'm happy to say, I feel like we're now at a point where we're shifting back and we're now uh, moving away from this idea that you can monetize every little thing and every little game and back to embracing the possibility of big narrative experiences that have a beginning and an end and maybe some DLC, but that's kind of the game and that's what you paid for and that's what you played. Um, and so that's kind of what we're going to talk about here. Uh, to start things off, let's talk about the Sony way. This is the Sony way. Sony's Sony's method right now, they're, they're, their plan for dominance through the PS4 era and forward, and even now with PS5, I still believe, is relying on big titles that are primarily narrative-based games. Games like God of War, Ragnarok. Games like the upcoming Wolverine, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, Deathloop, which just came out, also on PC, but, you know, a very story-driven game. And that's their bread and butter. Big, exclusive titles that you can really only get there. You can't get anywhere else. And I think their dominance in that area and their reliance in that area is, a, is an interesting one um, because I think it's the smart thing to do for what gamers actually want out of big epic game experiences, but it is not the financial tale that maybe Microsoft gets by having Game Pass and by having these subscription services that are, you know, that are, that are sort of dominating right now. So, uh any thoughts on the Sony thing? Like, do we like that that's where they're at and that Sony relies so much on like, hey, here's here's Kratos again. Uh, you're going to get a big 30-hour open world game. Check it out, yo. I mean, is that is that still a strength for them or do I, is it more of a weakness? It's absolutely a strength, I think. Sorry, Garrett. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say yes. And if you'd like to go to the outro now, that's my answer. <laughs> yeah, that's your whole answer. That's it. We're done. Sony has the right idea. I mean, I, I love it. Like, if, that Sony event, what, a, two weeks ago now? Or no, a week ago, whatever it was. Uh, they showed all this it stuff. It was last Thursday. It was last week, wasn't it? Was yeah. It? Okay. Yeah. Time's weird. I don't know what time it is. <laughs> yeah, because we had talked about potentially doing it for Friday, and then yeah. Joss couldn't make it. And so we're like, oh, all right, we'll save it for next oh, week. Oh, right, right, right. This, this was already out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what's um, messed with me. You're right. Yeah, I mean, it, it is It is definitely Sony's strong suit, which is hilarious, too, because you, you're talking about how, like, narrative games being profitable has not been the story for a long time. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, uh, games as a service is the first thing I think in my entire life I was ever old man get off my lawn about. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> no, just let me buy a freaking game and that be the thing and it has the shit I want to do in it and we're just done. Yeah. Yeah, DLC was the first thing in my entire life I was ever grumpy about, and that day a neckbeard was born. <laughs> <laughs> a lovely neckbeard. A lovely neckbeard. I think that's a really good point, Garrett, because um, I think that like p the game companies have sort of started to realize, I think, that there's only so much room in a person's life for games as a service, right? Like, no matter who you are, you have X number of hours in a given day, and so if everyone and their mom is putting out a game that they expect you to play over and over and over again forever, like 
I mean, you've got like MMOs that do that. Garrett, we've got Hearthstone that does that. Like there's only so many for me, it's Dead by Daylight. Like there's only so many things I can play with like seasons and competitive multiplayer and things like that because they just suck up so much time. I'm looking for experiences now because I'm really set in those worlds. So I'm looking for experiences that will have an end, <laughs> you know, that that are a chunk of content. <laughs> yeah. And I can say, I'm going to get a story. I'm going to get some really cool mechanics. I'm going to enjoy myself. But then it's done. Yeah. Like it being done is a selling point. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. will pay yeah. more for it to have an end. <laughs> I agree with this. I think that's a really good point. And, and it used to be that's all we had, right? Like that's all mm-hmm. games would do. You'd get a game, you'd get it on cartridge, you'd play it, it'd be done. You might get a sequel in a couple of years, but but that's a whole nother game. And, and that can also have a beginning and an end. So, you know, I could say, for example, Zelda games, Legend of Zelda games are are that. They are start to finish games with very few exceptions, a couple of weird offshoots and what was that weird four player one they had for a while. But, but for the most part, it's this big experience and you play it and it had its own unique bunch of gimmicks and things and stuff that happened in the game. And then you come up with a sequel uh, or, and or another in the series. And that one does its own thing. Um, this breath of the wild sequel may be more of a true sequel though. I, it's hard to tell from this angle. Cause I don't know what they're actually changing in that game. They haven't really been that detailed about it and it's not nearly done, but, um, <clears throat> But those are good examples of it. And I'm with you. Like, there are plenty of games. I guess what I'm saying is we now, there's now an ecosystem where uh, both things can be true and you can thrive, you know, the Fortnites of the world and the the Warframes of the world and the whatevers of the world can thrive and have their games as a service and have the competitive stuff and have the niche that you want to have as a gamer and really, uh, you know, identify yourself with that, with that game. Um, I did that with WoW for 15 years. You know, it was my game. And it didn't matter what other games I would play. That game was always sort of happening. And I had kind of room for one of those. You'd experiment around a little, but you always just kind of, if you're going to play an MMO, you got room for like one. And so everybody and their dog saying, well, we need to get some of that MMO money or we need to get some of that Fortnite money is usually a folly because only one or two of you are going to be able to do it. And if 100 of you try, 98 of you are going to fail. And it doesn't matter how big or small you are. You don't. You you really don't know what's going to hit uh, with gamers. Like who would have guessed Roblox would be the thing that it is? Nobody. Nobody in their wildest imagination would look at Roblox and go, "What is this? Some kind of bad Minecrafty weird kids thing that's <laughs> garbage or whatever." That thing is a monster. A monster popularity, with, especially with kids. And there's no Among Us that. is another one. That's another good one. Yeah. Like who would have? That's even weirder because it comes out in 2017. Nobody plays it. No one cares about that game. They're already working on a sequel. And There's then no suddenly, one on this earth happier for the pandemic than the studio that made I know, Among Us. I know, right? <laughs> like that thing hit so hard. And, you know, part of it is big streamers picked it up and got hooked on it for a while and and all of that. Um, but, yeah, you can't predict these things. And they scrap their sequel plans and are like just focused on the main game, which is probably the smart thing to do. But the 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 yeah, point I mean, is you like money and success it, uh, exactly seem like a seem like a smart play but it's easy to look at ea and go they're the biggest offenders in this case because they've got plenty of ip great track record in the past of big immersive single player content and then they have this run of like we're going to just multiplayer or loot box everything and it just really alienates their player base and now they're back to like hey, we're making a new Dead Space and it's a complete remake of the original but done totally new with a new engine and all this stuff and we're also making yeah. 
new uh, Dragon Age, and and uh, we're not going to make it a game as a service like it was originally planned to be. They were going to try to do the whole Anthem thing. And Anthem, you know, was another, hey, we want to be Destiny, and it didn't work. So I'm thrilled about it. I, the idea that EA is going to say to their creators and their devs and their teams, hey, let's get back to some good old-fashioned, let's make some big-ass cool games might actually ingratiate me toward EA for once in the history of the company in a long time. So I'm excited. Like, bring it on. I want more stories, man. Like, give me a, give me a, some smart storyteller. Give me a cool story. I'm ready to rock. Well, like, why were so many people excited about uh, Old Republic, uh, Knights of the Old Republic getting a remake during that Sony event? Because that game is awesome. And the story's incredible. And it's a throwback to a time where that's what we valued most. And we weren't waiting. And I for... haven't played it. And the old one looks like butt. Neither. <laughs> have you guys not played? Oh, I have played it on iPad. I didn't get off the first planet. Oh, Garrett. I was just like, this is this is ugly. It is ugly. <laughs> this is too ugly for me. <laughs> yeah, Jocelyn, you can play it either. No, nope. I didn't. Oh. I didn't have an OG I'm not Xbox. a huge Star, Star Wars person, so it never really like That's true. registered yeah. to me. It takes place like something crazy, like 4000 years before the yeah. movies. It's, it's like, like it's just I like really like when they do that. Like, it's, yeah, well, it's just like, yo, we got ESO, right. Like it's mm-hmm. so far before all the stuff, you know, that it's in the universe, but like will never impact. The yeah, stuff it's that got you spaceships know. and laser swords. Yeah. Like that's really about <laughs> mu- as much as it really matters to Star Wars. And they get to use, you know, the similar uh, or same alien races and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I didn't have an OG Xbox. Um, I did all of my Haloing over at friends' houses, and KOTOR wasn't really something you go over to your friend's house no. to <laughs> kill four Red Bulls and play games on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's having uh, a restricted console library was also my problem with a lot of games. Like, there's so many games that I say, "Oh, I've never played." Like God of War, I've never played. I didn't have a PlayStation until the PlayStation Three. So, oh, like, <laughs> so you don't have the connection to those earlier action based yeah. games. You played I mean, the newer Nintendo one. all day, Nintendo all yeah, day. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, the other two. Mm-mm. Well, mm. I mean, uh, and things I think- are falling into 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 sharper clarity i didn't realize you were like all nintendo all the time yeah yeah i think that's great I wonder you're like I a walking so unicorn yeah yeah what do you think this, this addicting <laughs> laugh of hers all the time <laughs> yeah it's all I about a, all, it's I, all i had a, I had a nintendo into sega into sony no nintendo sega back to nintendo for the 64 then i got a ps2 oh gotcha all right and then you uh did you ever did you partake in the gamecube at all I that, did. That was the first yeah. console I bought with like my own money. The, the PS2 was the last console I was ever gifted to me, like by my parents. I was yeah. like, I got one, and I usually got one like two years after it released yeah. when the price came down. Yeah. Um, I love that. And game so, game. yeah, no, the GameCube went on sale, and I had remembered reading. I, I don't know what magazine about. Um, I think it was that tech demo they did. Yeah. And I like thought that that was going to be the next Zelda game. And then Wind Waker came out and I was really mad. But that was the whole reason I bought a GameCube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wind Waker is one of the greatest games ever made ever. So Yeah. I, I Listen, I was like it, maximum shitty angsty teen when Wind Waker came out. I wanted nothing to do with that Powerpuff Girls looking nightmare. <laughs> um, and have since I have since played some of it. Um, I haven't gotten around to beating it. I was actually really, really hoping the Wii U version would come out for the Switch. Oh, me too. But for some reason, Nintendo said no. The yeah. three people that bought a Wii U can enjoy that. Yeah, it's a bummer. <laughs> there's a there's a pretty good emulated PC version, but it's like illegal and you know weird to get and all that. So oh damn, the illegal illegal PC. I know weird, right? Always Strange. stopped me from enjoying. <laughs> always, always held you back. Always. Yeah, 
You're, Always. you know, you're a, you're a straight shooter there, Garrett. You're just a guy who's trying to get through life without Never. ever. In my life, have I installed? What is an emulator? What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, what Scott? even is I don't that? Know what this is? Yeah, what is Mame? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like uh, that game is incredible, and that was an amazing device. I thought at the time, and uh, it was uh, about the only really great must-have game on there. I will also say that, like at the end of the day. Not sure the GameCube had a lot of other killer titles. It had a good Mario Kart. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. It had the best Buffy game ever made of life ever. Hold on. Buffy game. Wow. Okay. Now we're getting the the teenage girl perspective. There's a Buffy game on GameCube. I literally didn't know this existed. It's called Chaos Bleeds, and it is amazing. Okay. Frankly, now I'm surprised because it was called Chaos Bleeds. I'm surprised I didn't buy it just on name alone, given the age I was. uh, Oh, there it is. Chaos Bleeds. You can get this on eBay. Um, It's so good. Uh, I, I promise we'll get back to, to narrative games here in a second. But, well, you know, I single player I, narrative game. We can talk about chaos. Yeah, this, had, this, had a, this had a story. Tell me about this. Did it have the cast? Like was Sarah Michelle Geller talking and all that? Oh, yeah, it had it had like all of them, but put into a video game. It had all the voiceover and everything. It was a new story. You could play as all the different characters. It was so good. Okay. <laughs> I'm, uh, I also I'm, like. I think Double Dash might legitimately be my favorite Mario Kart. So like, oh, I love Double bangers. Dash. Yeah. Huge fan. Yeah, I liked it too. Okay, so here I just found a full playthrough of this game. I did not know this existed. <laughs> I didn't know this existed. This is amazing. Uh, so and you and and it was like good. You you wouldn't call this a bad video oh, game. Oh yeah, I've played it through like probably eight times. <laughs> I was also in university at the time, so there's a chance I was just trying to avoid my studies. But yeah. <laughs> also it was great. All right. Oh yeah. Look at this third person Sarah Michelle Geller. She just found a. Yeah. She just found a, 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 a what do you call it a a, a a shovel. She just killed two vampires with a shovel. All right. Uh, sign me up. Yeah. I changed my yeah, mind. I'm, I'm- Googling this furiously and oh yeah, so it looks like this was not a GameCube exclusive because I'm seeing it with Xbox art and PlayStation 2 art. Oh, okay. Oh, it was everywhere, damn. was it? <laughs> oh yeah, look at this. Okay. We, yeah, I pl- actually I if, I had something, but that's if a game was multi it, it was on that GameCube. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I guess uh, Resident Evil Four was a GameCube exclusive for the generation. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. sorry. That was the first game uh, Resident Evil game I uh, I played all the way through. That's a good um, game still. Still a good game. Yeah, I tried playing the old ones, and I was like, "Why? What do you mean you can't control the camera? Who thought this was a good idea?" Dude, the tank controls <laughs> on those old games is freaking hideous. I love Code Veronica though. But anyway, the point is, like, uh, uh, this is uh, something I didn't ever heard of, and it reviewed well. I'm looking at the average Metacritic score of like 74. percent That's that's pretty high. For- Why do you sound so shocked? I, I guess I, back because then, it's a licensed game. Yeah, and back then, licensed games, games were, such games a crap were bad shoot in the 2000s. Yeah, so. that that was the era where every licensed game was almost a death sentence for that game. Although. Although, boy, we're just this. Hey, this is just member berries. I hope everyone enjoys yeah. this talk we're having right now. Um, the the two movie licensed Lord of the Rings games that were around this era were surprisingly good. Oh yeah, those were all right. I feel like there was some. Uh, the, also, that old Wolverine game on the 360 was okay. Like there was a time where. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I know yeah. the one you're talking. The one that was like rated M, and there was like blood and yeah. stuff. That thing was gnarly. There, he was yeah, putting claws to people's heads and stuff. Like it was, and it was for that Origins movie that was so bad, but. The game was good, and sometimes licensed games. This is a whole. We should do a topic on license, but uh, yeah, sometimes they work out. And you know what? I learned today that the Buffy one was one of those. So good job. Uh, yep, you've educated. It us. even tied in with the TV show. I mean, yeah, 
<laughs> Did it have uh, uh, David David Boreanaz in it? Was he in there? No, no. This was this was post Angel. This okay. was around season five. All so right. I just like saying David Boreanaz. Were they reusing a bunch of the Firefly cast because they were still under contract of a canceled show? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was it gone no. by then? Was it a canceled show then, or was it still on the air? I don't remember. I don't know, but isn't that why they all appeared in in Buffy at one point? <laughs> That's a weird thing. I didn't know that. Look at you with the hot I, knowledge. I thought, I mean, I, this is like urban legend. I've never actually verified this with facts. This is just what I heard. Well, we now live in a better time where uh, licensed stuff is taken seriously. And I think, you know, I was, I was, this is one comment I wanted to make about the Sony presentation. It doesn't take much for me to see the Insomniac name and immediately go, oh, well, of course I want that game. Even when they don't show me anything. Like they just showed a pre-rendered trailer in a bar where literally nothing happens other than his claws come out and he's sitting at the bar and it says Wolverine at the end. But it's enough for me to see Insomniac and go, have they ever made a bad video game? I don't think they have. Like, it's all been good. They they are absolutely just putting out a string of bangers. Yeah. Um, Star Wars, or sorry, uh, Spider-Man games, amazing. The Miles yep. Morales thing, amazing. Uh, they did um, uh, all the Ratchet and Clanks. That new, by all accounts, that new Ratchet and Clank is amazing. Like, yeah, why wouldn't you trust those guys to just buy all their games? And I, it's, it's, that was enough for me. The one thing of that entire show, honestly, that I was like, all right, convince me I need to just shell out the money and get a PS4 already. How, where am I going to do this? It was that moment. And it wasn't even a game yet. In fact, I'll bet there's barely any game done on it yet. It's just an announcement for a game that's probably two years away at the at the least. Considering the only only two of those Marvel games, one of only one of them had a date, and it was Spider Man Two, and right. it was 2023. Yeah, <laughs> it was just a year date. It wasn't anything else. I'm like, Wolverine didn't even have a year, and I'm like, Yeah, I'm gonna probably be 40 yeah. by the time this comes out. This is a long tail. I was game. gonna say when you put Wolverine in the narrative different games at the top, I was like, Are we sure? Do we know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's going to be Wolverine uh, like an Among Us uh, riff. Right. Right. But it could I don't be know. good. There's been a battle in that bar. Can we rule anything out? <laughs> well, you could do that, except that would be like, that'd be a Mystique game. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It'd be like, no, Maybe the senator is Mystique. Mm. Oh, the that would be, I would hate Mystique. that. Mystique's my favorite, <laughs> my, or Mystique's my least favorite MacGuffin in all the Marvel Universe. I hate a thing where you're like, oh, that could be anybody. But it's probably Mystique. <laughs> no, it gets me every time. Every time there's a Mystique reveal, I'm like, oh, I forgot about Mystique. Oh, see. <laughs> I'm you, so gullible in next men movie. You're the you're the target there. You're a total yeah. you're a total what yes. do they call that? You're yes, a, low intelligence. I am the target. You're a mark in that movie, is what you are. Uh well anyway, it's uh back to the whole narrative point. Uh we it is I just I think this is an interesting segue because we are at a place where it's no longer that death sentence to have a licensed property. If you put it in the hands of, of good developers, they've been able to take all sorts of stuff and make them good. They're like literally, I can't think of a bad recent, uh, bad recent licensed game that was any, that's any more, that, that there's any higher rate of that than just regular games that are bad. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's not, it's no longer that thing where like, Oh great. You're making a thing based on Iron Man. Good luck with that. Like, they're good games now. I mean, how I mean, the hell do we not have an Iron Man game? By the way, well, we did in the 360 There's ad Avengers, one, and it was bad. Right? Yeah, but the 360 one was bad. Did you guys play that? It was really bad. No, I mean, so was the Avengers. So that was my point. We have, <laughs> why don't we have a good Iron Man game? But isn't is it bad, or is it just is yes. that game just too samey? Is it bad? <laughs> like bad, 
define bad. I don't want to. I'm not, I don't want to show more, in and of itself. Uh, you, have, you have more money than God, and you come out with a, a mediocre at best Avengers game. That's that's that's, that's, your, anyway. that's your hot take on that. Do you think it's back as bad? The, back the narrative games. This and the only person I've heard tell me it's good is is Patrick, and he's the biggest Marvel fan I know. So well, he doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. he he's. He, <laughs> I mean, he counts in large amounts, but he's he's a he's the kind of person that if you say there's a Marvel thing going on, he will accept all the weaknesses, no problem. And embrace them and say, "Yeah, so you shouldn't listen to me talk about Star Wars because I'm going to like it no matter what." That's true. <laughs> yeah, I could say those prequels are terrible, and Garrett will say they are great. Right? Three is good. Uh, I'll say three is good. Good. One and two are bad. Comparis compared to one and two, or on its own, it's good. That's the question. I love three, and you cannot take this away from me. Uh, I liked one. See, Jocelyn. <laughs> oh my God, Joss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Star Wars. Defends Phantom Menace. <laughs> You're the best. You are the most unique human being. <laughs> like everyone's got the same Star Wars opinion, and then you come in with, yeah, I, they're okay, I guess. But oh, that Phantom Menace, that one's dope. Yeah, that was like, pretty dope. I, I love it. I love it. You're so, it's I so refreshing. Loved it. I just, I, I had a good time. Yeah, you know what? I, I kind of, like I kind of admire that. So oh. I was like, what is this? thing oh this is neat yeah see i admire that because if you don't have the devotion to it that a lot of people do <clears throat> like like garrett or me or anyone else who's super into star wars and surprised to hear when people aren't giant star wars fans it must be nice to just see it for what it is and go yeah it's it okay time yeah i'd love to watch my brain and see it for the first time that'd be yeah. fun that would be fun. Well, and like I never watched the Star Wars movies when I was little. So like I literally watched stuff from the 70s in the early 2000s and went, OK, yeah. <laughs> and I already knew all the everything from just being in pop culture. And then Phantom Menace came out. And I was like, oh, this is new and shiny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, sometimes that's the only reason you need to get into a thing. And I kind of I kind <laughs> of envy it because all the expectations that we have, you don't have. You just yeah. went in there going, oh, it's a movie. Oh, I had a good time. The rest of us are like all this baggage, all of this old, you know, uh, original trilogy baggage. And we have to take it into that movie and there's nothing we can do about it. So I so, but, 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 yeah. which actually applies to games too. a lot of the licensed stuff like they're they're kind of walking that same line that a lot of the movies and TV shows do, too. Right. Is that mm -hmm. like. They're coming in with like, hey, we're going to do this narrative experience in this universe, you know, but then everyone's like, ooh, expectations are up here. Meanwhile, you get things like Horizon Zero Dawn, which was a huge Sony thing for me. It's like one of my favorite games. Can't wait for, for, for Forbidden West. Yeah. And it's like when I first saw that, I was like, OK, you're primitive like humans fighting robot dinosaurs. Like, what the hell is this? And who thought that was a good idea? Like, my expectations were low. Yeah, yeah. And then it came out and I was like, damn, Sony, <laughs> my emotions. <laughs> yeah, that, movie, that game is great. It's so good. I love it on PC as well. It's just an amazing game. That sequel should be incredible. But again, there's an example of a game that is leaned really hard into this is a narrative experience primarily mechanically it you know all of all of that's there but this isn't about now that you've beaten this see how many um how, you, do you want to buy this outfit for Aloy I mean there's a lot of stuff to unlock but they don't go down that road and I appreciate that I don't want that anymore I'm done with it like I don't want everything to look like a mobile game and I know that's what everybody's trait you know chasing they all want this like residual um trickle down uh, money policy on a game have it last longer than than the six month window of popularity or whatever. 
And I just think maybe make really good ones that have that window and just keep making those. People well, talking about that transition too. And we just, you mentioned EA, we just got a, a Star Wars tangent. Like that's exactly what Fallen Order was. That is the transition. Like we're back to, oh, thank God, we're getting in like a, a straightforward narrative game from the only people allowed to make a Star Wars game. Although now with the KOTOR remake, that appears to not be the case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, well, it's a third. Um, I guess it's EA still involved, right? Like they're, no, they're not. They're not at all? No, as Spear uh, has has no known links to EA. Uh, I, I went digging. I couldn't find Jack. <laughs> How did that? That must be that. That must be Disney. Uh, Star Wars owns the rights again and are picking whatever they want to pick. Well, Asphere has ported a ton of Star Wars games, um, like that Republic Commando uh, remaster, which yeah. is barely remastered, is basically widescreen now on Switch. Yeah, um, that was them. Oh, okay. um, they also did all the iOS ports. Like if you played Kotor on iOS, that was them. Oh. They did the Pod Racer remaster. That they've been like just remastering old Star Wars games, um, but. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Fallen Order was my point. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is, that is that is that was definitely that that's the first time I like it, it couldn't be more clear for me because Battlefront Two essentially killed loot boxes. Yeah, that like, was a, we haven't really yeah. seen more loot boxes since then. No, it was and, a it was uh, a point in time where that was about to change, and that was the game that changed it. That was a yeah a shark jumping moment. Yeah. Um, Without a and, doubt, uh, it's great now. Yeah. By the way, that game's real good now. Yeah, Battlefront Two's solid. Yeah, it, it it what a what an about face. Like, yeah. I mean, it took like a, it was about a year of updates, but they cor- they course corrected really really quickly with however they could, and then they ended up building a really good game out yeah. of it. But it's, um, it's no, but no like man's going sky, from that but, to yeah. Fall in Order was like, oh, yeah, you learned a hard lesson, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad they did because that that game oh, is, is great. Yeah. That's another dev, dev I always trust, though, too. When I hear Respawn, I go, oh, well, that'll be quality. That'll be a nice game. Hey, you guys, everybody could use some better help. Listen, you got to ask yourself, what interferes with your happiness or prevents you and yourself, well, you're the same person, from achieving the goals you have? Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and connect you in a safe and private online environment. And it's really, really convenient. You can start communicating in under 48 hours, all without ever having to sit in some uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp offers a broad range of expertise, which may not be locally available in some some areas. Maybe not your area, I don't know. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and uh, financial aid is available. Anything you share is confidential be it depression, stress, anxiety, conflicts in your family, sleeping, trauma stuff, self-esteem, whatever it may be. So, I want you to go check it out and start living a better life. Start living that happier life today. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com instance. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp.com instance for 10% off your first month. Thanks, BetterHelp. Thanks. And respawn. Oh, there's that leak the other day from uh, Nvidia's GeForce Now service that said that there is a Titanfall three in the works, which has me super yes. excited. I mean, that, you want to talk about good narratives? Oh my god, oh, Titanfall dude, two, two is so good. Oh. It's so good. I'm just sitting here in my own juice. I'm so excited. Joss, have you played it? <laughs> Not two. I oh! played the first one. 
Oh, two's Jocelyn, great. you like, need to play like, two. I think you can get it for three cents right now. Like it's so <laughs> cheap. Dip your toe if, in. If you have Game Pass, it's just free. It's it's so. I such, do have Game Pass. Oh, then you totally can play it on PC for free. It's a it's this a, is like a weekend. Like you can you can knock it out real quick, and it's it's a really really yeah. It's a super tight narrative. It's my favorite shooter campaign, and I played them all, and it's by far my favorite shooter campaign. I loved it so much. I fell in love with that robot. I got teary in that game, and I don't do that very often. Talk about an example of strong narrative in a in a game where you're just shooting a lot of shit. Like that game was so good at endearing me to this to my freaking mech and having all that stuff really matter. Oh, it was so good. Now I'm excited to hear you play. You need to play that game. Okay, okay. Oh, have it done for next week. All right, you get in there. You get that done. You know what else is really good in that game is it's sort of a, an aside because we're not talking about multiplayer today, but the multiplayer is real good in there. In that game mm. it's that, the that game was just that, that was yeah people have now kind of rediscovered it post um apex legends yeah but uh yeah that that was that was such a sleeper that is one of my all-time favorite shooters period That's like so favorite shooters uh single player favorite shooters multiplayer yeah like, it was just such a good package yeah and this um, again if that's true they're really making that uh this is hopefully an ea game that will not be stifled by executive decisions to try to loot box it to death or do whatever I, they're gonna do you know that yeah they've, they've got their sports games they can keep doing that too uh yeah. <laughs> i think they're i think they're loosening their grip a little bit on the uh like the, the fiction like the genre fiction games that they're putting out yeah i agree um, okay. certainly seems to be the case um, and, and we had already, you just got, you and I a while back had a conversation about the, the most recent Need for speed heat, which I finally beat. And that game is yeah, good. He is good. Surprisingly good. Yeah. With your face and your G sound. I wasn't sure if you were going to say good or garbage. Like it really could have gone either <laughs> most, way there. Most Need for speed games was- for like the last 10 years were garbage. Um, <laughs> this one is, is the best I've played probably since most wanted. Yeah. Like, and which it- was college. Yeah, it's so. very good. It's a surprise. And a lot of people, I think, just don't believe it on the surf- surface and then they don't give it a chance. But that game deserves your playtime. It's actually really good. Yeah, but EA and their their, their satellite studios, they're, they're, they're making some good stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you don't think about it because I think EA's had a, a bad reputation for a while now. But and they earned the it. newer stuff is, is pretty they, good. Yeah, yeah, they definitely earned it for yeah. sure. But they're, they're yeah. clawing their way back out of that hole. Yeah, it should be yeah. good. I yeah. did a little bit of math you guys might find interesting. So, uh the biggest streamers or the biggest streams, I should say, on Twitch these days are still battle royales and, you know, shooters and to some degree MOBAs and that sort of stuff. Like the, the, the usual suspects are still taking your top spots. However, if you do the math and look at total game streams, by far and away, game streams, even with small audiences, thousand people here, two people there, whatever, just everything in between, uh, by and large... And by far, are narrative-driven games. That's what people are watching when you look at the spread. If you're going, well, I just want to watch one guy do one thing, well, sure, you're going to get you know Fortnite Joe doing Fortnite Joe things. But there is a massive amount of narrative-based games getting played online. And I think there's a hesitancy for players, uh, or streamers even, to just dive into a good narrative experience in their streams because they don't know if that's entertaining for people. But I think it is. I think, the, I think people love that stuff. Um, the most fun I've ever had on my streams is where I'm playing narrative games, although they usually are horror games where I'm screaming like an idiot. And that's probably which is why reason. people watch. Let's be yeah. honest. Scott screaming at a horror game yeah. is a genre in and of itself. It kind yeah, of is. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll give you an example. Is, uh... I have one right here. That's me screaming. <laughs> wow. So, 
I love that one. That one sounds so remarkably like uh, what's this uh, 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 Marv from the first Home Alone. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess two as well. Marv is in that as yeah. well. Yeah. What it reminds me of is this should be the Angry Chicken uh, thing. Shit. Welcome to the Angry Chicken. <laughs> Hearthstone taught, but because it sounds like a chicken, like a pissed off chicken. <laughs> My backyard neighbors have a chicken coop. I never heard them make a sound like that. (laughs) Not not once. Yeah, it's a bummer though because it's it's the only genre that I truly hate playing, but will do it on streams for the for the for the views. Like I'll actually, I only do this because someone will watch it. Otherwise, by (laughs) myself, forget it. No, you're a a slave to the views. Yeah, I'm a slave to the views, baby. so so many streamers are right like that's the whole thing and it is really really difficult to establish yourself as a variety streamer i think like there are so many streamers that i follow for a specific thing that i when they leave that specific thing i drop off completely like i mean well (laughs) garrett he'll probably laugh at this one but savitz when he stopped streaming hearthstone for a while i stopped watching him Mm -hmm. it was like two years where i was just didn't tune into that stream and then now he's back playing battleground so now i watch him again and there's multiple streamers like that some dead by daylight streamers that go over to just general horror when the game's not in a great balanced place and i'm like i don't really watch you for that though i watch you for dvd so you know like and it is really difficult because narrative games also ride this kind of line where you kind of want to see it and it's the new hotness and everybody's playing it and whatever. But then there's also that spoiler piece that you're going to have some viewers that maybe are tuning out because they want to play it themselves. So then they're not watching you. So there's like the variety streaming aspect where it's really hard to grab people if they're not into what you're playing that day. But then also the spoilers factor where if it's the new hotness, people are going to be like, well, I'd rather just, you know, go sit upstairs and play it myself. Mm -hmm. Like, your reactions are cool, but also you're ruining the game. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good. That's a really good point because in my head I would think that it would be more about the personality and the person playing, and it wouldn't matter what they're playing. And I'm sure that's true for a lot of viewers, you know. But but the but the large there are number some people that I will watch play anything, but they also establish themselves that way. Right, and right. establishing yourself as a variety streamer is very very difficult. Yeah, it's which tricky. is probably yeah, why you're seeing nine is that for me. Yeah you're probably seeing a lot of like uh, viewers spread out among those streams. Cause again, there's just, there are a lot of people doing it. And so there are a lot of options. Yeah. yeah that's a really good point. Uh, let's talk about some of the games that had the biggest effect on us. And we don't have to get into too much weeds about why they did, but um, for me, I'm surprised after looking at my list, how much of it is indie. Um, but the games that were mostly story driven that really drove me to, I don't know, remember them, want to play them again, think of them so highly, recommend them, that sort of stuff, was a was primarily a little game called Thomas Was Alone. And I don't know how many people played this game, but it was a very small indie game, 2013, 14, maybe even earlier, I forget when this was, um, by a very small team. And it blew my mind at the time, and still to this day, I just think it's magical. Uh it was made up of, of shapes and every character in it, including Thomas, is this little rectangle standing upright that you move with a controller or keyboard or whatever, left and right, kind of a platformer type thing. Um, and it's all he is is a shape, like a basic shape. And the other shapes you run into is like a short square and another shape is like a couple of little bricks or whatever that move together or whatever. It's all about these shapes. But what blew me away was how much story and heart was in Thomas was alone. 
and they narrate through the whole thing. Thomas came across a dibber and you just and they and they would create these like moments of relationship and just meaning that I never get out of games with, you know, freaking next gen graphics. But for some reason, this game really got under my skin and I loved it. So that was one I would call out. I would call out God of War, just kind of the opposite. That is the big AAA experience. But that game blew me away. It was like this crazy action packed blood sport that used to be God of War is now suddenly this down to earth father son story that still retains the badassery, but it's like a whole new level of nuance and, 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 you know, under the hood stuff. I love that game and really, really excited about that sequel. Another would be Machinarium. That's very indie. It's like a point and click adventure. I just love the style of it and the story. That game's one of the only games where I got kind of emotional. There's only like five games in history that have ever done that to me. And that was one of them. And then finally, Papers, Please. Do you guys remember Papers, Please from like 2012 or something like that? I was going to put that on my list, but then I was like, I wasn't sure if it was actually like a narrative experience yes like if if that counted because it was like you had to make these decisions about these people's lives but like was it bigger than that does it count well i that's why i like that's i'm glad you brought that up because that game i think did something that other games have done since maybe not as well maybe better but it did something nobody had done for me before which was here are some very mundane task oriented things you're going to have to do in this game you're going to have to pay attention to names and the, how they spell the names. So I make sure they're not cheating. And these are actually their papers. And, you know, uh, for those that don't know what that game is, look it up. It's just like this dystopic sort of, you know, uh, you're like a border guard. Right. In a, in a country that's very, I don't know, North Korea, uh, you know, Cold War Russia sort of style um, is how it's all set up. And anyway, what you do in the game, very mundane but it serves this larger narrative in a way that mundaneness serves that narrative in a way that I've never quite experienced before. And I found it engrossing every time I played it to this day, I could play it right now and have just that same feeling. It's also excellent on iPad. If anyone has it on an iPad, but, uh, an amazing game. And part of it is that ability for the game to not tell me too much. It's a little like Mad Max Fury Road. You don't have to tell me everything about the world. You just have to give me flashes and visions of quick things that are like, oh, gas town, that's way over there and it's on fire kind of, and what's that like? And let my brain build in all the minutia. Papers, Please does that. It makes you world build in your own imagination and video games that can pull that off, love that. Uh, Jocelyn, you mentioned Horizon Zero Dawn, but you didn't, you didn't really get into the why. Why is Horizon, why did that land on you so so hard? The thing I really liked about the the Horizon narrative for me, and I'm, I'm hopeful that Forbidden West will do the same thing, though because it's kind of a known quantity now, I don't know if, that, if it actually will be able to, but I didn't know very much about Horizon Zero Dawn going in other than there was a female protagonist, which was a pretty big deal, but... For me, that narrative, I never knew like what the end goal was like. It just kept naturally expanding. So when I first started playing the game, I thought that it was all about, you know, um, gaining acceptance back into the Nora tribe. And that's what the game was going to be about. And I was going to have these adventures and I was going to come back and they were going to be like, oh, you're so great. Come be our friend again. Mm. And that's what I thought the game was going to be. And then they kind of like they go through that whole proving event so quickly. And I was like, oh, man, okay, so what is this game actually about? And then you start to explore the Nora territory. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is it. And then they're like, oh, but 
then it opens up again. And there's actually this whole like other area with this larger story. And it's like it just kept moving the bar in a really interesting and natural way. And then expanding the story in the game world like exponentially. And I was just like, what is happening to this right now? Like, what is going on? This is insane. (laughs) And it's the first time I really remember something kind of like drawing me in and expanding in that way. Like it was just such a cool way to tell a story. It's also got a real layer of newness on it. Like they were doing new things, new ideas, and some of the mechanics are similar. And yeah, we've we've all done our open world games where we're stealthing around and taking stuff down or whatever. But the the story, the world, and the concepts felt totally new to me in that game. And not like just derivative of a hundred other things I'd seen. And that mm-hmm. that really goes I mean, I just think that's hard to do in gaming. Gaming's so iterative and so we're going to make a game like that game and but make it better or whatever. Uh, so rarely do you get to see something that's just like whole cloth new. And this one felt and that way to me. Yeah, It did. And I loved filling in the gaps, too, because it also had that piece where it kind of touched back to our current time. Right. Because we're basically like living in the apocalypse right now in Horizon Zero Dawn world. And so like it had all those touchstones and a lot of the stuff, the lot of the gaps that they filled in that led to like the downfall of society felt very like realistic, like stuff that actually could happen in a timeline where it actually could happen. And I'm like, re- like listening to these audio journals and like reading these things that I find around in these newspapers and stuff. And I'm like, Damn, yeah. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> this is realistic in a way that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's very weird. But part of it, what really threw me in that game is there was a, a part where early in the game where you're kind of, you know, exploring around and you're not really sure where you are geographically in the real world. Right. Uh, but then you'll find one of those recordings or an old, uh, you know, hollow thing or whatever, and you'll read it. And one of them was like dead center in the middle of Salt Lake City, which is like 20 minutes from me. And that was weird. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is set where I'm where I live. Like there was something really crazy about that until I got to the desert, which in the game was only like 100 yards north or south in the real world. It's like five hours if I have to drive it, <laughs> just driving, you know, walking. It would be days. But um, but so, yeah, they compress some of that stuff. But I just loved it for those same reasons. I think you and I agree on that. Now, I am going to say for your next choice here. If you do play Knights of the Old Republic, you will see, you will suddenly understand why it is what Mass Effect, let me put it this way. Mass Effect does not exist without KOTOR. It just is okay, not is fair. not a game. And I don't mean just literally like game style wise. Those game, those Bioware guys are the same dudes who went on and said, all right, our next project is Mass Effect. Uh, so you're going to love that game. Even if you don't care about Star Wars, you're going to lose it because it's amazing. So why is Mass Effect on your list? Mass Effect is on my list just because this is one of the first games that I felt like I really got to make some choices and build relationships with characters. Like it wasn't just telling me a story that I was working my way straight through. It was like, hey, there's these people in here. Do you want to like get to know them and form attachments? And, you know, maybe, you know, my experience playing through Mass Effect won't be the same as Garrett's, won't be the same as Scott's because, you know, like we'll choose different romance interests or we'll make different choices of the people that we save. And, you know, that was just such a cool concept for me that and, and I just like 
grabbed onto it. And this is another game I totally missed, again, because of all of my lack of consoles. This was something I totally missed until Mass Effect 2 had been out for a while. And then I had a friend say to me, like, hey, I really think you're going to love this. Like, now that you have a system that can play it, you should go back and play the Mass Effect games. And I was like, okay. And I got into it and I was like, what the hell is this? (laughs) As someone who had been playing like Mario and Zelda and, you know, like stuff like that, like very Nintendo universe based. And then I hit this Mass Effect thing and I'm like, holy hell. Yeah, yeah. it was a real, I mean, it's, it's amazing. But uh, that's why I'm looking forward to your KOTOR playthrough because you're going to go, oh, I see the connective DNA here. Like this mm-hmm. is this is where all this started and and it, it's going to make you wish they I don't know made a Mass Effect MMO or something maybe they will one day but maybe maybe I would play in that universe till my eyes blood can you imagine oh my gosh I mean I'm not I saying settle for a good war and I'm not <laughs> like, saying it'll be it, I'm not, yeah exactly but I'm I'm not even saying it'll be good or anything I just want to run around the in that universe pasted you together again uh, yeah it took some time <laughs> I'm okay with it. Uh, we needed some extra Lego parts, but uh, yeah, we got it. Yeah, smoking man, he has ways. He has his ways. Uh, mm-hmm. Your your last one here was Fable Three. I really like the Fable series. I like two in particular. How, uh, why did three land on you so so hard? Well, three, another one, a very similar to Mass Effect, is like that's the one that came out. I haven't actually played the other two previous to that, but for me, this one, this one just stuck with me. For whatever reason, I just I loved this game. And actually, my tattoo is influenced by Fable 3 because so it's a Zelda tattoo. If you guys don't know, it's a Zelda tattoo. But I had to literally fight with the tattoo artist to get her to not put an outline on it. I'm like, I don't want an outline. I don't want it. I just want a blue tattoo that kind of like fades into my skin. And she was like, that's insane. It's not going to last. I've had it for like 15 years. It's still there. Wow. <laughs> but, well, not 15 years. Anyways. Over 10 okay. <laughs> and it's still there. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the reason that I wanted that was because of Fable 3, because if you made all of the good decisions in the game, all of your tattoos glowed blue. And so it's like a oh. reminder to me that I should be a good person so that my tattoo is blue. Oh, I love that. That's <laughs> nice. That's actually really nice. I, you always hear about game tattoos, but nobody ever does it with any kind of meaning. They're just like, I think Link is cool. So they put Link on themselves. <laughs> But that's a, that's got more meaning. I, li- I like that a lot. I'm looking at some old video, and and uh, while I was doing that, I realized that there. I forgot there's a new Halo or a Halo, a new Fable game coming. I totally forgot they're working on that. There is, Eventually. yeah, there is. Eventually, yeah, there yeah. is. <laughs> that could be that could be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not um, Bullfrog or who's I can't remember the old developer. They're not there anymore. Something Lion Lion's Head Lionhead Studios. That's it. They're not doing it, but. I don't know. Microsoft spent a lot of money on game dev right now, so maybe they could really pull this off. And uh, your new favorite narrative will be Fable 4. Yeah, I just I liked that you could be a good guy or a bad guy. And which also is obviously something that Mass Effect had as well. Um, And it but it like had a real impact on like you personally as the character. And I don't know. It just for some reason that game really stuck with me. I mean, it had like the the family thing. I mean, they throw a really seriously difficult decision at you right yeah. off the bat. Yeah. It's like, do you want to save all the townspeople or the person you love? <laughs> oh, yeah. What? Yeah, right. That's, <laughs> like, throw me in the deep end. Yeah, like, what that's the hell? <laughs> serious choice making you got to make there. Yeah. Well, that's and great. I just I really liked the choices as you 
like navigated your way through. <laughs> game is still on. Let's say I was just chucking Game Pass. I guess I can play that game. Yeah, it's on there. Fable 3. I don't know if I ever played. I played a little of Fable 3 and then bounced off. And I don't remember why. Played 2 to death. Uh, maybe maybe 3 would be back. would be worth going back to. It doesn't look that bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Never, like 360 I got stuff. got horribly into any of the Fable games. Oh, Garrett. That's just I Garrett. tried all of them and I always just got kind of bored. Really? I liked yeah. the the. I thought the crafting was really interesting in those games. Um, I don't and, think I really ever took to the combat. I uh, got gotcha. you. There's, there's just a lot of hacking and slashing in that game, and it just didn't do much for me. If you get the pistol, I can't remember how you could equip stuff, but a pistol and sword combo was pretty solid in that game. It was all right, if mm. I remember right. I was like the style. I like the art art style of Fable quite a bit. Garrett, how do you feel about The Last of Us? That's like your hot business, right? Uh, I think it's uh, the greatest story ever told in video game form. Damn. That's, that's <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, Don't hold back yeah. any. My gosh, that's insane. That's Yeah, a, that's uh, yeah I'm bringing the AAA uh, non-artsy uh, representation to my list of favorite narrative games. Um, yeah. yeah, the first Last of Us, uh, is. it came out pretty early into Katie and me living together. Yeah. Um, and Katie likes Zelda and World of Warcraft, and that's basically it. Yeah, she doesn't really play many games outside of that. Yeah, and um, this is the first game where she got mad at me when I was playing it, and she came home and I was already like on to the next chapter. She's like, "No, I want to see every second of this." <laughs> yeah, see, that's that's an interesting thing. A lot of people really like this game when someone else plays it, and they just are there for the story. That's kind of how yeah. I would be. I'd rather watch you play this than play it myself. Yeah, nine times out of ten. Doesn't matter how good the damn story is. Yeah. Katie will eventually get bored of me hogging the TV if I'm playing a new narrative <laughs> game every single night. Yeah. But I, Last of Us, I think we beat it in about six days because we were just every night. It was like, let's do it. Let's get in there. Like, we just couldn't put it down. Um. And I like, love those experiences when like whether, regardless of like which spouse is playing because my my husband and I do this all the time too where like he'll play and I'll just watch and you know like I love those experiences that pull you in as as a duo <laughs> even mm, though it's only one yeah. of you that's that's actually doing the controls <laughs> sure yeah yeah I, I know I know Katie like really I think she saw a lot of herself in Ellie um mm. like Katie grew up like as a tomboy and She's just kind of a hard ass, and that's what I like about her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. um, she's but, a hard yeah. ass sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like my wife too. There, for whatever reason, I, I always gravitated to the girls who were like the perfect combination of like tough and I don't know whatever my de- my like loose definition was. But basically, I wanted to marry somebody who could kick my ass if it if it came down to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same, same, yeah. and 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 yeah, I've been in a mosh pit more than once with Katie. So yeah. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I just couldn't uh, could not put that damn game down. Now, I am a sucker for uh, westerns that aren't western. Like, give me western themes in anything, any setting other than a western, and I am sold. Um, and I still like traditional Westerns as well, but I mean, I, th- I think the, the last of us one for me is like my favorite Western just full on stop. Like it is such a perfect ending. I was almost mad they made a sequel, but I actually really, really like yeah. last of us too. You a fan of, uh, did you like, uh, um, shoot, what's the Raylan Gibbons show? My brain, uh, 
Justified. justified yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love, love, love Justified. Same. Yeah. It's one of those, like, you know, here's a. Everyone here's a, shuts. It's like, here's the Western, but it's set today, which is an odd thing, and it's great. I love that show. Yeah. Come for Raylan, stay for Boyd. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's why I love that show. It's so good. Um, Everything's great yeah. about it. Nothing and bad. So, you know, speaking of traditional Westerns, the first Red Dead Redemption um, is also right up there for me. Like, oh, yeah. that ending hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Um, that game. I was great. real sad. I still think about that ending. Yeah, it's uh, that's a hell of a thing, Red Dead. Both of them, but two in particular. I don't think we talk enough about two these days. Two is just like a thing that we all played, and now it just sits over there and does its online thing. But <laughs> it's, it it sits there and watches the fourth release of GTA <laughs> yeah. Five yeah. on a uh, it's a fourth third console third, sorry third console third generation fourth. release of GTA Five. Yeah, yeah that's what RDR two does. Man, I have a hard time getting excited about that. But if they said they were doing something with Red Dead, I'd probably get excited. Red Dead. It amazing. only means that you have a functioning brain. Yeah. If you're not excited for the third re-release of GTA V. Now, you got one more in here that I also agree with. The Portal series, in particular Portal 2. Um, Portal 2, there's another, yeah. There's this... another example of world building without telling you too much, right? I would say. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think this might be straight up the first game that uh, Katie and I ever like kind of co-played. Hmm. Um, and it's not convenient because I played it on PC and there's not a cool, and there's not a comfortable way to hang out in the computer room. Right. Uh, but, um, yeah, this, this is just like, I remember like portal one blew my pants off. I was so surprised by the world building and, and, and like that, this, and the character, puzzle, yeah, there's this puzzle game that literally, that like legitimately made me feel stupid also had an amazing story. Um, <laughs> I mean, it made like you feel it, stupid it, until it didn't though, right? When you'd figure it out, it was one of the most oh, elating, yeah. wonderful feelings in the world. I wanted I wanted a new college degree every single time I cleared a room in I'm Portal. Yeah. Um, but like, and then, you know, Portal 2 came out and I remember being excited, but also thinking to myself, like, there's no way that they can live up to how much the first one affected me. And Portal 2 is just so above and beyond uh any expectation I, I had 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 for for kind of picking up the themes of Portal One and expanding upon it, like it goes so beyond yeah. what the first game accomplishes um, in terms of story. Obviously, the puzzles are great too, but I'm, I'm just just from a story aspect. Um, rest in peace. Like we just lost our last ferret like a week ago, Aww. and uh, he was named Wheatley. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's no good. Yeah. Ferret should live forever. I don't like this. It's reality. yeah. It's a, there's All such good pets. There's <laughs> such good pets, but yeah, they, like if you get seven years out of a out of a pet store ferret, that's a good life. And and he was pushing eight. So oh wow. Okay. Can't yeah. Really, nice I can't time. really complain. We I was playing Portal Two when we got him. So oh, Larry, that explains a lot. <laughs> there we go. Uh, uh, I wish Valve could count to three because uh, Portal Three <laughs> would be great. Let's get that. Uh, that's going. Everyone else is now making there's like Portal likes, and I'd rather just play Portal. I, I, I wish. I wish. Valve would free the people that make their good games so that they can go to studios where they can make games again. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Can we take the Half-Life team and the Portal team and then put them on a satellite studio that actually makes games? Yeah. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Please and thank you. Like, where are they now? They're just helping collect the, the money hose that Steam is and they just... Have- <laughs> Probably not a bad place to end up. Like, oh yeah. no, I ended up at this studio that just rakes in money. They don't make a lot of games, but oh, is the money good? Boy, the money sure is good. Uh, yeah, there's I'm, a uh, lot of community content for Portal Two, though. If you're looking for new puzzles and stuff, because they have that whole like Steam Workshop thing, and there's just there's so much 
community stuff. Yeah, <laughs> really gotta go. I had to check that walk. out. There's got to be great stuff by now since I last mm-hmm. spent, you know, poked my head in there. That's actually not a bad idea. The game still, yeah. you know, looks good and plays great. And it does. Yeah, it's yeah. such a simple concept. So I mean, a lot of the the textures and designs and stuff. I mean, it's all just like walls, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it holds up. Holds it up. does hold I, up. Yeah. I very desperately like need more narrative though like i want mm. i want another chapter in that uh freaking half-life had like an, a little like tease like maybe we're gonna cross universes and we're gonna yeah. bring in some aperture shit oh just kidding we're going to be the worst people on earth and never follow this up again yeah steam hose <laughs> steam money hose that's what all it is uh well all right these are uh, of course all great games and i'm feeling like replaying most of them after you've described why you love them um there's not nearly enough time to play all of these at once but i kind of want to uh, we want to hear what you think about narrative and games. How important is it? Is it important in your MMOs? Is it important on your f- stupid phone games? Like where, where, where do you want narrative? Where do you not want it? And are you one of those people that are like, dude, make everything multiplayer. I don't care about narrative ever. I don't play the call of duty campaign. I just play the multiplayer. I know you exist and I'd love to hear your point of view. Uh, email us, tell us why the instance at gmail.com before we get out of here. I'd like to just throw it around the uh, the table and let everybody talk about anything cool they got going on this week. Let's start with Jocelyn. What's going on? Uh, well, I hope you don't get mad at me about this because uh, so it's extra lifetime again. <laughs> Yay. No, that's good. I'd love that you you are hardcore about this ch- charity and every year you do great work. So I've, what, what, what could I complain about? This is great. <laughs> I'm stealing your name. Oh, just that. That's the only thing. That's all right. No big deal. Listen, if you're not the first one to actually legally copyright it, you're out of luck. Yeah. And if you if you start calling it the Fred and Can charity, then we'll have words. But right now, you're fine. You're good. You're totally fine. Right. So, yeah, it is Extra Life time again. Uh, this is actually my 10th year now participating in Extra Life. Um, and so this year I've got almost a $2,000 goal because I want to hit $15,000 raised, uh, for the children's miracle network of hospitals. So, um, we are doing that through, uh, October, November, and December. There's going to be lots of game streams, lots of giveaways, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, so if you want to support, you can go to bit.ly slash TGI extra life 2021. TGI extra life. I'm going to put this in the show notes as well. 2021. All right, cool. Yes. Uh, go do that. Is uh, they do a great job every year, and also the Gamers Inn's a great podcast. You guys should be listening to that uh, show when you got a minute. Uh, Garrett, anything going on over there with you, sir? Oh, there's always things going on with me. Uh, but yeah, you can find the, uh, every podcast I make over at amove.tv. That's a m o v e TV. I have a brand new show. Uh, as always, it is wonderful if you would go and subscribe in your podcatcher of choice, dear listeners, because it helps that new show in its early days. But you can go subscribe to Nexus Gaming News that I do with my uh, my partner in crime from Into the Nexus, Kyle Ferguson. Mm. And uh, we put up two episodes this week, one talking about the KOTOR remake, because that is one of Kyle's favorite games of all time. And I have barely scratched the surface of it. And uh, we just put up an episode yesterday talking about the next big development and everything going on with Activision Blizzard, which is uh, there's been a complaint at the federal level levied against Activision Blizzard. And also uh, sexy wall art and wow becoming fruit paintings. Mm -hmm. We talked a little (laughs) bit about that as well. Yep. Yep. Replace all your women with fruit. That's the answer. Yep. That'll get yep. it done. If, so if you want to hear about that, go to Nexus Gaming News, uh, wherever it is you get your podcasts. It's also over at YouTube.com slash TV with a ton of visual aids cut into it. Very, very nice. Uh, if you're looking for other Frog Pants content, of course, that's all available for your perusing at FrogPants.com. Podcasts are a big fat link right there. You can click that and check out all the shows. 
you'll find something you like. And again, don't forget the three shows that are on the network, all gaming, all the time, frogpantsplays.com. I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com.